Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. So we are in uh, a series walking through the Sermon on the Mount. We're calling it Kingdom Living because Jesus is really talking to us about how things are to be ultimately, in the, but they're not really that way yet. But he calls us as Christians to live that way now, even though the surrounding environment is not that way. And so last week we looked at Matthew 7 through, 7 through 14, and he's really kind of wrapping up and uh, summing up his teaching throughout the chapter. And so last week he talked to us really about how to have healthy relationships with others and how to have healthy relationships with God. And so this week, uh, what we're going to look at is, is we're really going to look at um, how Jesus is inviting us to own our faith, to take ownership of our faith, um, to really like land it. And it's not really popular today. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, if you take any hard line or issue, it better be that all other hard lines and issues are absolutely equal and better than yours or okay. Uh, you actually are supposed to, like, you can't just, like, say this is the way it is. That's, that's kind of the surrounding culture of that. Uh, and, and it's important, though, that we take ownership of our faith. We take ownership of, hey, this is what I believe. This is what Jesus teaches. This is the truth. And so that's what Jesus is pushing on today. And one way to think about it is, is um, what's the longest plane ride you've ever taken here? Just responsatory. You can go ahead and speak. What's the longest plane ride? 16. Steve, where? How long? 13. Okay, 16, 13. Anybody longer? No? Where, where was the 13 one? Just, just in the air, 13, 13, okay, okay. It, it, okay, so New Zealand, all right, okay. Anybody else? Who said 16? Did somebody say 16? Okay, 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 but, it, but not up in the air that long. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But so the beautiful thing about like taking a flight, like it's so great. Like you take off and everything's good and you're like, okay. Uh, the last flight that I took, there was this young man next to me and I was thinking of my boys and what would Michelle do if she was sitting with one of her boys? Cause this, he had his tray down and he was gripping that thing. Like you see somebody do that, just the, the tray was down in his lap and he was just gripping the thing like this as we were taking off. And then when we got to a certain point, he's like, okay. And then, but then it's like, that worked out well, but what do you need to happen next? Is at some point you need to land. You absolutely have to land the plane at some point. And then once everybody lands, it's kind of, you know, no matter how many times you fly, it's, it's kind of interesting because you, you land, but then it's like, and then it's like you want those brakes to kick in, right? And it's always that, and then you're like, oh, it stopped. We went from going like 500 miles an hour to we're going nice and slow. But it's important to land. And landing is hard in, in our cultural society today about like key issues, 
because the idea is in the culture is post-modernity is like, well, this mixes with this and you can believe this and still do this. And, and, and it's just, it's just like whatever you want, just absolutely whatever you want. Yeah. Makes sense. But that's not actually the way things work. Like you can have ideas about things. You can talk about things, but there are real, uh, like truths. There are real truths that are actually true. Um, and the evidence is all around us. Uh, somehow we struggle coming up with ideas about like what's true with, um, you know, God or what's true with morality or what's true with different things. And we reject the evidence of, uh, natural laws. Uh, basically like, you know, you look around and, and like, I talk about gravity quite a bit cause it's an easy one. Gravity. Every time you test it, it's going to show you that it's true. It's a truth. Uh, something else too, like the, the second law of thermodynamics, right? Like that everything is basically, you know, breaking down. That's a law. Everything is breaking down. Uh, you know, like the, the greatest statistic of all time. It's just like that one out of one people die. Like you can argue all you want that that's just not true, but one out of one people die. And so there's these things locked in in life that we need to see as evidence that, you know, actually this is true. And so we need to land the plane. But what's hard is, is that, in, is that uh, if we don't give our attention to the things that are most important, in other words, that we need to land, then, then we don't land and we just kind of float around. And, and the things I'm talking about is like relationship with God. Like, where is my relationship with God? What do I truly believe and where am I at with him? Um, a lot of people that um, I speak to over time w- will say that, you know, I, 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 well, I hope I can go to heaven. Well, I, I hope that happens someday, but, you know, you can't guarantee that. You know, and it's like, well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that Jesus says you can. And so we got to land the plane. And that's what my challenge is to you today is, is that, uh, I know it's easy, you, you know, in your life, you may think, well, people like Cody, you know, th- they have ownership over my faith, like the pastor, the preacher, the, the religious person that's telling me things, they have, they have ownership over my faith. No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Or your parents that taught you this, they have ownership of your faith. Or you may say, well, I don't know, I'm just following my spouse. They're really the one that like is really spiritual. I'm just kind of following along. But we're going to see today that it's an ownership thing that each person has to take over with their faith and their relationship with God. Because we were made for him. I mean, think about that. We were made for God. Like you're made to be in relationship with him. And to know him and be loved by him and to walk with him. And he's present at all times. And yet there's so many other things to give our attention So let's read the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. We're going to go through verse 20. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. 
By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So there's three words that Jesus really emphasizes here, and and it comes out in the original language, and it's what he's trying to emphasize in this portion here. Because he's taught all this teaching about what life is like in the kingdom, what life is like for him. And then he's saying, I don't want you to be confused. I'm calling you to be my student. I'm calling you to lay down your life and become a follower of me. He's saying, I'm not just another voice amongst other voices. I am the voice. That's what he's getting at. He doesn't leave the room to not land the plane. He says, you're either this or you're that. Let's look at what he's saying. So verse 13 and 14, the key word is enter. Okay, he says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So I'm going to, we're going to walk through unpacking this because there's a lot here. And so first, there are two ways. So there's the wide way, which is broad or spacious. There's not many boundaries there. It's just wide open, spacious, and easy to enter in. Then there's the narrow way, which is really described as hard and um, it's specific. It's specific because there's boundaries. And so that way would be described as hard. Jesus in the gospel of John is recorded as saying, I am the way in the truth in the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So Jesus is very specific that he is the way. So he would be the narrow way that he's talking about is that actually this is the narrow way and it's the hard way, not because it's really harder than the other way, but it's because it's specific. It's because it takes focus on that way. And then we next see that there's two gates. So the gate to the easy way is wide and you don't need to leave anything behind. Right? You know the song, uh, Highway to Hell? <laughs> you got some rockers in here, right? ACDC. So um, there's different opinions on what the song means. Like um, a lot of people think that it was about, um, it was about like the rock and roll life. That, like, you know, that in, in they were Australian, and so then there was this road from Perth to wherever. It's like, well, they're talking about this road where the sun would be in a certain place, and it looked like it was on fire, and all these ideas. <clears throat> but if not getting too much into the rock and roll history of it, but in, in the song, you know, he says, uh, it's basically like this thing, like, I'm on this road. I'm not stopping. I'm not I'm not, you know, I'm just getting pedal to the metal. I'm keeping going. And, and hey, when I get to hell, my friends are there too. And so the idea is, I think it's a picture of what Jesus is saying. is like this way of destruction where, the, where the, the gate is wide. You, you can just bring whatever you want. You don't, I mean, you just, just go. You don't have to leave anything behind to enter. 
And then Jesus says that the gate to the hard way is narrow and we need to leave everything behind to enter into that gate. That we, we actually don't get to bring anything. And Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse nine, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. But you know, you guys, Bible students, you're thinking, yeah, but wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say he who tries to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life will save it. So yeah, to enter through the narrow way, you give up everything, you surrender everything, but then you end up getting everything. Because also too, chapter six, what, how did it end? Well, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you as well. And so it's the surrendering of giving up. We also see that Jesus is talking about two destinations. And in the Old Testament, it's a theme throughout all of scripture that for people that there's two destinations. And uh, there's the, uh, the wide and easy gate leads to destruction. Think the absence of anything good. And that's why like the song Highway to Hell, uh, you know, well, my friends will be there too. And, and, and it's kind of a concept you hear from people and uh, it's kind of this idea. It's like, hey, maybe I'm going to end up in this place, but, you know, it's going to be a party. And we're, we're all just going to be partying, doing that. The hard thing with it is, is that, that the way that the Bible and Jesus describes the place of hell is that it's actually a place of the absence of anything good. Uh, it's actually the, so it would be the absence of everyone. Uh, it would be the absence of love. It would be the absence of peace. It would be the absence of joy. It would be the absence of God. And, and C.S. Lewis kind of describes the point. He has this book called The Great Divorce. And he kind of gives this picture of the place of hell is uh, a person basically getting themselves. And over eternity, you get farther and farther from anything good. Uh, there's this picture of somebody like neighborhoods in that place. And because people can't stand the others that are somewhat near them, they keep moving farther and farther and farther and farther. So when it's all continuing on, you've got you. And so just the absence of anything good is the destination when it speaks of destruction because the idea is, is that destruction is, is that all that is good is just being destroyed. That's the wide and easy way. We talked about that last week. There's lots of ways you can find to mess up your life. And this just continues on. And then, and then there's the narrow and hard gate that leads to life. And here's an impor important point is that everything that is alive has bios life, like biology. In other words, it has life in it. Like when God created, he put life in everything. But then there's what we call zoe life. And zoe life is actually God's shared life with us. And we were meant to have that life in us. It's, it's, it's eternal life. It's a different it's a different quantity. It's a different substance. It's, it's totally different than bios life. And when someone surrenders their life to Jesus Christ, 
they enter into Zoe life, which is quality and length. Yes, it lasts forever, but then there's a quality of life that's different than bios life. And so when you hear John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life, Zoe life, here and then. And then it says that God did not send his son into the world to, to, um, uh, you know, to condemn it, but he sent him to the world to save it, to not bring destruction, but to bring life to those things. And so two destinations, destruction, the moving away of all that is good, or more and more life, stepping into it. Because I think that's a hard sticking point for, for some of us is, is, that, is that when we interact with Jesus and with our faith, we hold on to this idea of bios. I know that I did when I was a teenager and I met Jesus and it was just this like, just this battle of like, well, that, like, well what are you going to do with my bios life? What are you going to do with this thing and what I've built? And, and then I realized, I'm like, oh, you have something so much better. I mean, didn't Jesus say that? He says, I've come to th- that they may have life, they as in you and I, in life to the fullest, to the abundance. You know, it's, it's like, a, I like going to Sam's Club or Costco and, you know, they have uh, cheap food, right? You know, like you can get a hot dog at Costco for a buck 50. It's been that way for so long. I have no idea how they're able to do that. There's actually studies. How are they keep able to keep serving that hot dog for a buck 50? I mean, what's the difference between that hot dog and like a steak at your favorite steak restaurant? You know, like what's a good steak restaurant here in Kansas City? Don't be shy. Come on. Q39, is that a good steak restaurant? No. What? Hereford House. Yeah, there you go. So, so that's the difference. Like the bios life is like, or I'm sorry, are you guys, a, are you guys all vegetarians? <laughs> or vegans? Do they even have vegans or vegetarians in Kansas City? You know? Yeah, they are, okay, okay. So, yeah. But don't be offended if you're vegan or vegetarian. These, you know, so, but... Um, so, right, it, it's like that. We have to put it into those kind of terms. Like we're so satisfied with this, this bios life, with this basic thing, and yet there's this, this wonderful feast of real life that God gives us that we we're meant to have. But we a lot of times settle with that. The last thing after two destinations, there's two crowds. So there's the wide and easy gate and road, and that has a crowd of many. And then the narrow and hard gate and road has a crowd of few. So both crowds have the word enter in common. So each crowd has a deliberate choice to make. Which way will you enter? Which way will you go? And I know it's hard in our current culture because, well, there's got to be a third option, a middle ground. There's no middle ground. It's either you enter the narrow way or you enter the wide way. By the way, some people have really picked this apart and said, well, see, not many will be saved. And even somebody asked Jesus that. They said, well, I mean, will only a few be saved? And Jesus said, basically, don't worry about that, but make every effort to enter. 
And so by saying many, he's speaking to his disciples. He's saying like, I need you to know that it's not going to be that everybody's rushing like all at once into this narrow way, but it's the wide way is going. And so don't pick it apart and say, well, gosh, only a few are going to be saved. That would go against what we've seen that, that, uh, you know, the billions of people that are Christians on the earth now, the billions of people that have lived before us, that have come to faith in Jesus. And also at the end of time, it says that there's a multitude before the throne of God that could not be counted. But he's trying to show a contrast of saying like, hey, everybody really is going to rush down this way. And that's also key for us too, to say, oh, well then I need to be calling people over here to the narrow gate. So the key though is, is to enter, is that each person in their life will choose to enter. And I know the thinkers here, you're saying, well, what about the people that never heard? Or what about the people that misunderstood? Okay, that's great. Just push that aside for a minute. Ownership of your faith. You, which road are you on? Which way are you choosing to enter? I was uh, helping one of my sons learn how to drive. And uh, he needed to learn uh, about the freeway more because he was about to get um, instruction from a, from a driving instructor, instructor and, and they go on the freeway for that. And he didn't have much experience. So, uh, so I said, okay, let's go on the freeway. And Michelle and I do different things. She does the around the house and, and I do the freeway. And so, uh, so I, I, said, I said, okay, we'll get on here. And watch out for this. And all of a sudden it's, you know, fast, right? I mean, the freeway, everything just speeds up. And so our exit was a couple miles ahead. And so I said, okay. And, and, and they're like, so is this what's called the slow lane? Yep. And then that's kind of a little bit faster. And then that's real fast over there. And I said, why don't you go ahead and get over there? It gets over there, cruising along. Well, you better speed up. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's going. And then I said, now, listen, though, listen, your exit's coming up here. At some point, you need to make your way back over there. Really? Yeah. And so some point, put your blinker on and puts the blinker on and cuts the car off in the middle lane. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And what, what point can I get over? Well, not that point, you know? And, and so, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking this illustration or that I'm trying to show them is going bad. And, and, and then we get over, right? And we get our exit like 40 miles an hour over like where we're supposed to be exiting, but we made it. Um, but I told him, I, I, I said, I said, Hey, listen, you know, that's your exit, but you may have times when you're driving that it's unsafe for you to hit that exit. And so, so you may need to keep going, get off, come back, go back to the exit. But I was thinking about that in, in light of this is that, you know, the freeway is like this wide road and, and you're just going but you, you've got to choose your exit, which is really your entrance. I mean, you're, you're, you're not just going so anywhere. You're going somewhere. So, so where are you going? And for some, you say, hey, Cody, I understand. I, I made a decision for Jesus a long time ago. It, 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 that's great. And then we look at that and we say, okay, well, are you taking ownership of that? Is your life lining up with that? Are you, are you focused on that? Are you living in that way that that's where you're going and what you're doing? Or have, you, or have you relegated that to someone else? 
Maybe relegate it to your spouse or, or, a, or a religious leader or somebody else. Or do you really own your faith? Because what Jesus is getting at here is, is that he's not talking about like entering a religion or entering a tradition or entering practices. He's talking about entering into a, a relationship, a known face-to-face relationship with himself. That's what he defines as the narrow way. And that's what leads to life. Very specific. And you say, well, that's kind of exclusive. It's actually terribly inclusive because he makes it simple. There's one way. This is it. It's right here. And that exit is often in our lives. He's made it clear of who he is. The next thing that he says, because he's saying, hey, this is the thing. This is really a battle of what's going on. There's the narrow way and the wide way. The next thing he shares is that not only is this a choice that we must all make, but there's actually people that will confuse you. That there's actually people that, that don't, you know, they believe differently or they'll do different things and they'll dress up in a certain way. And that will keep you possibly away from this. And you say, well, that's not fair. Again, are you taking ownership of your faith or not? He's talking about being deceived or deception. And so he goes into verse 15. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they were ferocious wolves. So watch out equals beware. So if if you walk up to a house and it says, beware of ferocious man-eating dog. What do you think? It's, it's letting you to be aware that there's something going on here. Jesus is doing the same thing. I want you to beware, be aware that there's people that will teach you things other than what's going to help you go down this narrow road. And the contrast is this, I think. And he's, he calls them false prophets. So the word in Greek is pseudo-prophet, right? You've heard that word pseudo right? It basically means like sort of, kind of, but not really kind of lying. Okay. Uh, like when Michelle and I met, we both were working at a church in mid twenties and, and we went out on pseudo dates. Okay. We weren't lying or anything, but we'd go do stuff like go shop at Costco or pick stuff up. And we weren't dating, but it was kind of like we're, you know, people thought we were cause we were always together, but it wasn't really dates that happened later. Right? But nothing was really going on until I said, hey, would you like to go to dinner with me? In other words, I entered that relationship, and, and you know what she did? She kind of floated off of the ground. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm serious. She's, she's, she almost clicked her heels. It was a sign that we're supposed to go to Kansas at some point. There's no place. That, and she just, she, I'd love to. You know, and it was just... It was this beautiful moment, and I didn't know what to do after that. I'm like, wow, that's a great response, you know? So, but everything up to that point was pseudo. It wasn't real. We wouldn't have gotten to where we are today if that hadn't happened. And so these prophets are are pseudo-prophets. They're pretenders or religious imposters. And it's not that they aren't religious people. It's not that they aren't teachers. It's not that they aren't prophets or sharing certain things. It's that they're sharing things that will not get you to Jesus. 
And so there's a wide range of possibilities here. But if there's false, there's true. So how do you take ownership over this? Do you know the real thing? Do you know the real person of Jesus? Because especially with all of the different messages, I mean, you can turn on YouTube and you can find, you can find some of the best communicators in all of history. You can find some of the best experiences in all of history. But do you know if they're sharing truth with you? Like, are, are they really sharing like the truth that's going to connect you to the person of Jesus? Or are they just pumping up your bios life? Right? In other words, just like, let's pump up this thing that everything has, but it's not really that really Zoe life, the life of God growing in you. It's just pumping up your bios life and you feel like a million bucks. But it's not growing this relationship really with Jesus. In a sense, that would be false prophets. Now, the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah spoke of false prophets in this way, and this is on your notes, but it's not on the screen. He talks about false prophets. He says, they fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. That would be a key thing. When you listen to somebody, whether they're teaching from the Bible or not, is the main emphasis with what they're saying their words and what's quotable or tweetable or the amazing thing, and you walk away at, man, that thing that they said or that illustration that they said or that thing that they pointed out or, or wow, nobody else saw that in the Bible before, any of those things. If that's the emphasis that you walk away with, and I'm not saying that they're a horrible person because of that, but that's not pointing you to bios. That's not pointing you to Zoe life. That's their own thoughts. That's their own things. You see, people that teach the Bible, according to the Bible, are supposed to teach the Bible. In other words, you teach the idea that's within Scripture. And let me tell you something. That's where the power is. That's where the power is for abundant Zoe life, the life of God growing in you. In the difference is astronomical. That's what we found in our country as we've done different uh, studies. You know, the church in America for a long time has been called like a, like a mile wide and half an inch thick. There's much activity, there's much there, but as far as the real maturity, the real growth of people in the life of Jesus is anemic. And I think it's because of this thing, because there's a lots of teaching that's the ideas of men and the ideas that are from their own minds versus in really sharing the word of God and the points that's there. And you know it. Like, you know when you hear that, it's different. Because the word of God is active and living, and it works in you. But that's difficult, right? Because you hear stuff like, well, but I feel good when I hear that. Right, it's pumping up your bios life. And that's not bad. I mean, it's not bad. I mean, these, these aren't necessarily horrible people that are sharing things, but call it what it is. Are you learning the truths of God that will actually transform you? Or are you hearing good talks that just pump up you more? There's a difference. That's what Jeremiah says. And what he says, he says, he says, but if they had stood in my counsel, speaking of the false prophets, they would have proclaimed my words to my people. 
And then he goes on and he says, let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream. But let the, so he puts, he says, look, you may have a dream or certain words. And that's good. That's, I mean, that's helpful. That's encouraging. That's great. But this is what he says. But let the one who has my word speak it faithfully for what has straw to do with grain declares the Lord. And so there's that realm of, of false prophets, false teaching, that it's not necessarily bad, and that's what's confusing. It could be encouraging stuff. But he's saying, don't call it the word of God. Don't call it a word from him. Because that word really changes you. And, uh, you know, false prophets don't announce that they're false prophets plainly, right? Right? False teachers don't announce that plainly. And I will say this though. I think that there's a lot of what we would put in the realm of false prophets and false teachers. They don't know it. They don't know it. They're just following after, oh, this is what this person did to build a big thing. Or this is what this person taught. And here's another thing. You can, you can listen to you know, 50 churches, you know, live feeds or sermons or whatever, and a lot of them are copying each other, right? There's sermon sites that pastors go to, and then they, they get sermons from other people. They, they buy a subscription, they buy into it, or, or they listen and watch other uh, pastors, the guy that's real successful, and they listen to his sermon, and then they teach the same thing. Same illustrations and everything. And if it's good stuff, then they're teaching good stuff, but it's still not them hearing from God. And what does that do to you? It doesn't deliver something fresh to you. You know, there could be a congregation in Atlanta. I mean, is, is that message the same for the congregation in Kansas City or California? And is that, doesn't it just make God a product that we're just like, just a consumer? You just consume, and hey, here's a good product that works somewhere else? Or do we want the living God in our midst? And it's very difficult. It's very difficult. And yet Jeremiah says, it's the word of God that's there. So he's, he, he does, people don't announce this, but the false prophet claims to be a follower of Jesus like a sheep, but is really disobedient to Jesus. And so that's the idea because you're not really teaching that which Jesus calls you to teach. And then the damage by these, he describes as like wolves amongst sheep because it's not drawing them to Jesus. It's really drawing them away from Jesus. But it's so deceptive because there's the activity, but it's not really bringing you closer. I've had some experiences with this in churches I've pastored, been on staff. Uh, there was a, uh, a youth leader that we had at a church in San Diego, and he, uh, he's a real dynamic young youth leader, and, and kids loved him. And he got involved in a cult. And so he, uh, we didn't know the whole process as this was happening. And so he was starting to come, he'd come, and all of a sudden notice something different. And, and then he started to try to draw the kids and some people in the church away to this call. And, uh, you know, it was, what's hard with that is it was like, a, it was a Christian cult per se. In Christian cults, uh, you'll have the appearances of all these different things, but what they'll do is they'll replace either Jesus or the Holy Spirit with something else, and that becomes the focus. For this particular one, uh, they replaced the Holy Spirit, who would be the one that would speak and have authority amongst his people with the idea of community. 
that if you were a true follower of Jesus, you had to join this community and live there with them and sell all your possessions and move in. It was very destructive and damaging of relationships and families and those things. And so it, it happens in all sorts of different ways where people grab on to an idea or something instead of really knowing God. Some questions for you to ask yourself, you know, like if, if you listen to a teaching or, or you have somebody you listen to or, you know, are you drawn closer to Jesus, right? That's what I talk to young people or, or older people that are dating, you know, well, I, I don't know. Are they really good for me? Oh, I don't know. Do they draw you closer to Jesus? Like that's one key question to ask. We have to ask that when it comes to teachers as well. Like, are you really being drawn closer to Jesus or do you have good feels? You know, like, you know, because we can end up, you know, focusing on an experience or we can end up focusing on a person, a person's gifts or abilities or shiny objects versus really coming into contact with Jesus. And you say, well, Cody, you're really, you know, you're really just, you know, going after this thing. Here's why. Jesus says there's a narrow road and a wide road. There's no other choice. There's no other ground. It is like important now and for all of eternity that we understand this right. So Jesus is saying it's hard to recognize though. That's what's interesting. Is that people can, it's hard to recognize these things. But then he tells us how to recognize it. So in verse 16, he says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So in Greek, it's kind of fun. You can actually put a word at the beginning of the sentence to emphasize it. So the way they translate this here is by their fruit, you will recognize them. But the way the Greek is written here is recognize. That starts the sentence. So it's give recognition to this because you can recognize what's true and what's not. So Jesus uses a tree to illustrate because a tree sooner or later will show its identity. Um, when we moved to a home in Colorado, uh, we moved in uh, the spring. And so uh, kind of late or early spring. So the winter was still happening. Blizzard happened within a couple weeks we were there. And, but they told us that there was cherry trees and apple trees and plum trees uh, in the backyard. And, but we didn't know which was which. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we could have looked it up. Uh, so don't go there. Just follow the illustration, um, you know, to look them up. But, but really, though, they all kind of look similar to a certain extent. And, and, but as they, as they bore their fruit, we knew which tree was which. Because you can't argue that. You can't argue that it's a different type of tree. when a, No, that's a plum tree. No, that's a cherry tree. That's an apple tree. And so that's what Jesus is saying. So the substance of the fruit reveals the substance of the tree. So when it comes to uh, false prophets or teachers, you have to have proximity and test the fruit. So what he's saying is, is like, I think he's warning this because we can become like, you know, well, no, heretic, liar, fool. You know, like, I mean, you can just, you can go to the other direction. You can go from, man, I just believe everything I hear to I believe nothing I hear. 
And so Jesus is warning, like, give it time. Nobody's perfect. You're going to have swings of different things, and so give it time. But ultimately, he's saying the fruit is what you test. So what's the fruit? Well, throughout the passage, five times it says, bear good fruit. The word there is, is do. So what he's talking about is he's talking about, are they doing the will of God? Are they doing the will of God? And that's the fruit that you test. And so different things that really can be seen as the will of God is, you know, as you look at somebody that's teaching you things, one is, is, um, is the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, self-control, kindness. You know, is that in the life of the person that is the teacher? In other words, if there's just a good message and even if the message is about Jesus, but then the substance is not in their own life, that fruit is there. And then I talked about the message some. You know, like, what is the message? Like, our messages here, or any other message that you hear or listen to, as you're listening, and this is the good way to listen to a sermon, is say, what are they saying? Not like what I'm, what I'm hearing and like what I'm experiencing, but like what is this person actually saying? Like, take notes. It's really interesting. If you actually, because you've got video and other things, actually write down and make an outline what somebody says. And you'll sit there and say, oh, this is actually what was said. This is what I remember, but this is what was really said. So it's important to walk through what is really the message here. Look at the character of people. You know, what is the character of that person? How do they treat other people? Uh, Look at conduct, motives. Now, I understand, you know, um, I've kind of made you uh, uh, livestock inspectors, you know, or Jesus has made you livestock inspectors and fruit inspectors, right? Isn't that what you are, right? But let me tell you, that's your job. When it comes to faith, when it comes to truth, when it comes to God, that's all of our jobs, is that we are to inspect what's there. That's what Jesus is getting at. But that means you have to land the plane. It means that you have to decide that I'm going to know what I know. I'm going to know what I believe. I'm going to take ownership of my faith and grow in my faith. And what's at, what's at stake is that bios versus zoe. That's what's at stake. Will you and will those around you have really the life of God growing in you, which is really everything? Or will we be satisfied with just bios life, just the basics of life? There's an absolute difference, absolute difference. And I I think a lot of people get frustrated with Christianity because they're looking for this bios life to get pumped up and, and, and it's motivation, right? And the hard thing with motivation is, is that you need to keep being motivated. But Jesus talked about, he, say, he says that in him, if anyone's thirsty to come unto him and they will, will drink uh, from him and, and the springs of living water will open up within him. He talked in other places that the water that he gives, you'll never thirst again. And it's not that you won't thirst, it's that it will satisfy you. So it's the difference between that which is not satisfy and which that truly satisfies. That's absolutely the difference. So, so what are some ways that, that we should take this and put it into our lives? 
Um, one is, is investigate the prophets in your life. And they may claim to be Christians or they may claim to be something else, but who are the prophets that are speaking into your life about truth and life and, 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 and about Jesus and about God? Like, who are your prophets? You know, who are the people that you're watching or listening to and influencing you? Some of them may not be with you anymore. You know, some of us, uh, you know, we, when we image God, we image someone that's far off and, or angry with us, or just like this cosmic policeman that's just ready for us to mess up. And, and maybe, it was our, maybe it was our parents or our grandparents or a pastor that we had growing up. And, and so when we image God, he's just always ready to, to get us. That's a prophet to you. A.W. Tozer, he said, the most important thing about somebody is what they think of when they think of God. And so who are your prophets that are shaping about what you think of God? Because they may be keeping you from the real God that's loving and real and longing to be with you. And uh, when I was in uh, high school, my house was <clears throat> on this street and there was a neighbor that his house was kind of closer to the way home. And this one day I was late and I had to get to a baseball game. And so I decided that I'd cross his yard. The problem was, is everybody said, stay away from him. Like he eats little children. Okay. It was kind of one of those, you know, that man, I don't know, that guy's evil and the, all these rumors and things going on and just, you know, all these things going on. And I just said, well, <clears throat> that may be true, but I need to get to baseball. So I, I wasn't going to miss my ride. I had to change and get my stuff. And so I took a deep breath and he had this real long yard. You know, it was, uh, I don't know, it, it had to be a football field length. And so I hopped the fence and I got my backpack strapped on, and I, I'm just booking. I'm just booking. And all of a sudden, I hear, I'm going to get you. And I hear, ah, ah, ah. you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you. Here I am. I'm going to get you. And then I trip. And this steps, steps, steps. And all of a sudden, he's on me. And he says, tag, you're it. <laughs> so the story's not real. Okay. So... <laughs> But you get, the, you get the point. That's how people are with God. We've got all these other ideas, but when we really experience him, he's playful like that. And he's like, tag, you're it. Come and bring that to somebody else. Come and give that to somebody else. And here's the thing. All those bad messages out there, you absolutely are. That's part of your responsibility is to help change that message. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says that God's forgiving sins. There's a whole lot of people that stay out of churches or stay out of relationship with Jesus because they think that God is holding their sins against them. And it, the Bible says that God is forgiving their sins. He's not holding them against them because of Jesus. And the Bible says that God loves people. The Bible says that God's a loving father. And so there's all those other messages. Let's get it out there. Tag, you're it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you share, share clearly with us. You share clearly with us, God, that um, we should not be confused. You make it clear that you call us to yourself, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And then you, you share that there's another way. And so just while we're praying right now, whether you're online or here in the building, um, here's the opportunity. He says to enter. If you say to yourself today, while everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you say to yourself today, hey, I'm on the wide road. I don't know that I've entered that road. I don't know that I've entered that relationship with Jesus. Here's another opportunity to take that exit. And so just pray this prayer in the quietness of your heart. Dear God, I give you my life. I surrender to you. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. Forgive me for my sins. I want to know you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me life. And so, Lord, I pray for those that prayed that today, maybe for the first time or they're coming back to you, that you would fill them with your spirit, God. You would fill them with your life, God. And the things that kept them on the wide road would fade away as they fall in love with you and as you love them. And if you, if you prayed that today, if you said, hey, I'm entering the narrow road with Jesus, tell somebody. Tell me, tell somebody you know that, that's a Christian. And let them know, hey, this is what I'm going to live in now. And, and that's an important step. Say, that's what I want now. It doesn't mean you understand everything, but that's what I want now. Let's stand and worship together. Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com.